Hi, I'm Regine Basha. And I'm Natalie Basha. So Natalie and I grew up in an Iraqi Jewish family. My parents are Natalie's grandparents, which of course mm -hmm. makes her my niece. At the time, we were so used to hearing Arabic in the family and, well, a kind of Jewish dialect of Arabic, or listening to Arabic music, eating Iraqi Jewish food. I think it was only when, would you say, Natalie, like when you once start speaking to uh, other people about your identity at work or at school that, you know, you realize it's kind of shocking for others to learn about Jews from an Arab country. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, this was even the case when speaking to other Jews. Yeah, I would say that I'm Iraqi Jewish and people would look at me like, like, I must have said that wrong. Or, you know, like, how can that be that you're Iraqi and Jewish? Uh, so it was always kind of shocking to me that people didn't know that. But this history is really not that old. I mean, we're talking like one or two generations back. But since they left the region, there's been so much eraser and taboo around it that the cultural information really kind of got lost. Yeah. So we started to find this great renaissance happening right now, especially on social media with people connecting back and preserving food stories from these Arabic and Persian cultures. And with the support of Reboot Studios, we launched Kitchen Radio to capture these stories and to really focus on the origins of a specific dish that was popular to Jewish life. And honestly, let's, let's be real. This was also an excuse for us just to eat amazing food. Of course. <laughs> okay, but before we begin, I'm going to have to break it down as briefly as I can for those who are not aware that there were large Jewish communities living throughout the Middle East and North Africa before the state of Israel was formed. You can Wikipedia Mizrahi culture for more on this, but just a quick note about the terms. A lot of people know about Ashkenazi Jews and Sephardic Jews. Ashkenazi meaning coming from Eastern Europe and Sephardic meaning those who had lived in Spain before they were expelled. But the communities of Jews from Arab countries or Iran are often mistakenly referred to as Sephardic Jews. And actually the term that is often used as an identifier is Mizrahi Jews, which is a Hebrew term that means from the Orient or from the East. I don't know, it's not a term I generally self-apply. Uh, what about you, Natalie? No, I can't say I've ever referred to myself as Mizrahi Jews. And thinking back, I don't know anybody who, who calls themselves Mizrahi Jews. I guess it's it's something that they mostly say in Israel. Uh, but I can say that the Iraqi cultural centers often call themselves Babylonian cultural centers because the, the community had been in the region since the fall of the first temple. And listen, it, it sounds really cool to say I'm Babylonian Jewish, and I've said it a few times, but it does feel weird calling myself a Babylonian, even though it's the more correct term. I know. It sounds like science fiction, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah but that just shows you how old these communities really are. Um, so in food terms, there is really no such thing as Mizrahi food. And because that term only homogenizes a huge, huge swath of different regions with very different cuisines. I mean, families who come from Iraq have very different cuisines from families who come from Syria, which is why we decided to focus on the regions themselves and not really use the term Mizrahi. But in terms of food, it's all just phenomenal. And we will be sure to direct you to where you can learn more about all of this on social media. So for Kitchen Radio, we'll be broadcasting directly from the kitchens of cookbook writers, recipe collectors, storytellers who will cook one iconic dish for us and describe how that dish played a role in Jewish life in that region. 
Today on Kitchen Radio, we're so thrilled that we get to visit the aromatic kitchen of Tanaz Sassouni, who is also in the Reboot Network. By day, Tanaz works in animation production in L.A., but she's an avid recipe collector, a food writer, and a storyteller on social media, reviving dishes from both her Jewish grandmothers, who were from different regions in Iran. To see all of these amazing dishes, you can follow her on Instagram, at Tanaz Sassouni. So, Tanaz... Tell us about the dish that you're making today. So the dish I am making today, it's called gondi kashi. So gondi is a a word that's used in a lot of different Iranian Jewish dishes. The most, the one that people know uh, the the most well is gondi nochodshi, which is like totally different from this. It's a chickpea dumpling, chickpea and like poultry dumpling that we eat on Friday nights. But gondi kashi is a rice dish um, and it is specific to the um, Jewish community of the city of Kashan, which is where both of my parents' kind of families come from. Both of my parents were born in Tehran, but their parents are from Kashan. And um, it is, again, it's a rice dish that has like a million different herbs that we can talk about, and fava beans and beets. Um, And the way that my mom has always made it, that she learned from her mom and from my paternal grandmother as well, her mother-in-law, is you actually take ground meat, whether it's like ground beef or ground turkey, uh, and you kind of mush it into the rice in such a way that like you don't even see it anymore in the completed dish. But my dad tells me that uh, when he was younger, like they didn't eat a lot of meat in their house. Like I don't know if it was because of cost or because it was hard to access kosher meat, but um, he, they just didn't. And so his mom used to make a vegetarian version of this. And in, instead of the meat, she would add a lot, or I don't know if it's instead of, but that version of it had a great deal of butter. <laughs> um, right. So I have actually never tried this before, but it just seemed like I've always been so curious about it because it sounds so delicious. And this being like a luncheon, I just felt like it was a nice, like, we'll do a dairy meal, you know? So it's simmering away. It's pretty much ready to go. I think we can plate now or shortly it well, smells amazing it does and when we walked in we could smell just like, like that that aroma is so uniquely persian because you guys use so many herbs yes. in these dishes and you started to say that there's a ton of them in there yes so, so if i can remember all of them there's i don't have all of them here because it's all inside the pot but there's basil there's dill there's um there's one i'm forgetting oh tarragon this is tarragon it's got kind of like a peppery licorice flavor it's so so good um, there's a uh, savory, we call it ma'azeh, which I wasn't able to find at like the Middle Eastern market, but like the local um, supermarket happened to have some. And I'm very glad because, I mean, I'll have you guys smell it too. It smells so, it's so fragrant and really is like add such a savory Ooh. flavor. What's it, what's it called again? In, in English, it's savory. Oh, so good. Isn't it good? <laughs> it reminds me, what is it? What is, it's reminding me of some, mm-hmm. of an herb. It's kind of like thyme. It's like thyme. Yeah, that's yeah. What I think what I'm thinking. Um, and then there's also uh, fenugreek, which I couldn't find uh, fresh, but dried fenugreek works in a pinch. Shambhalila in Persian. And then what else? Uh, there's scallions and tare, which I can show you. I did save a couple. It's like a, you know, they call it like a Persian leek, but I've also been told that it's a garlic chive. I don't know, but we like chop yeah. these up and we eat them. Does it smell like a chive? Um, I mean, you can... It just smells vaguely like alliamy, like yeah. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, all all of those together. <laughs> 
and then fava beans are super fragrant, and then uh, beets, and then there's turmeric, and so all together it just becomes a really heady aroma when you have this cooking. I'd love to know just how much, how many herbs you have to put in to get it that green. This was about two pounds of herbs for three cups of rice, (laughs) yeah. So you were just, just to backtrack, you were saying this is specific to the region that your family's from. It's not specifically Jewish, but maybe without the meat, it might be. Oh, it is specifically Jewish. It is specifically Jewish to the Jewish community of Kashan. So not just, just, it's not just a Kashan dish in general, it's a Kashi dish. It's like a, a Jewish Kashi dish. Love it. And is it something that you guys would eat? Is it like a Shabbat meal? Is it something that you would eat for high holidays? Or was like, where did this fit in in terms of like Jewish family home life? This dish specifically is not anything um, like, it's not like for a holiday or anything. It's just something that's in the repertoire. So yeah, it, it is like, it feels celebratory, but I honestly don't know if that's the case. It might just be like a rice dish that, you know, moms made for their families. I mean, Iranian rice dishes, I think they take, they take the prize in terms of I'm, like variations on rice dishes. It's just, <laughs> oh my God, we'll as hear a cuisine. no argument from me on that uh, statement. Yeah. So on your Instagram, I, I love this line. It says, exploring Iranian Jewish food one granny at a time. What does that mean? So yeah, uh, uh, many years ago, um, a friend of mine got me Claudia Rodin's Book of Jewish Food as a Hanukkah present. And I was pretty blown away by the book. Like it's it's so comprehensive and there's so many recipes. And the thing that was really amazing about it to me was that, you know, only a relatively small portion of the book is dedicated to Ashkenazi recipes. And the rest is like Sephardic, Mizrahi, everyone else. And it is truly amazing. Like all of the recipes have their names written in the native language of the, of where the recipe comes from. And there's, there's just, it covers so much ground. And in spite of all of that, it seemed like there were only about 10 Persian recipes in the cookbook total. And of those, a lot of them weren't even like specifically Jewish recipes. Uh, and so, you know, with my upbringing, just like living with the foods that my mom made and my, my grandmas and my aunts and whoever in our holidays, I knew that there was a lot more there. Um, and I just thought to myself like, oh, someone should write that cookbook. Uh, and I thought like, oh, actually I should be the person who writes that cookbook. Um, so yeah, at that time I started kind of interviewing uh, women from different cities in Iran, Jewish women here in Los Angeles and other parts of the United States. Um, and I had just like a series of questions that I would ask them of like, you know, what's your Friday night meal? What do you cook for the, like, what do you make for the Yom Kippur, breaking the fast or all of these things? Um, and what I came to kind of uncover was that the the Iranian Jewish cuisine was actually quite regional. Um, it was really interesting to me. Like, what I knew as the Friday night meal isn't necessarily the same as what like a Mashhadi Jew would have as their Friday night meal and things like that. There were all these very specialized dishes, so many that I had never even heard of. Um, so yeah, so, you know, when it says on my Instagram, like exploring Iranian Jewish food, one granny at a time, it's literally that I'm sitting down with grannies and asking them all about their cooking from the past and from now. And do you have a day job while all this is happening? Interesting question. I, you know, my like day job career has been in animation technology. I've been working in that world uh, for almost 20 years. 
and at different companies and at different studios. And interestingly, in January of this year, I was laid off from Netflix animation and decided at that moment to kind of take the leap and work full time on making this cookbook that's been a back burner project for far too long to, in making it a reality. So right now I have a little like contract work to just like keep the wheels turning back in back in tech. But yeah, I um, I'm full time focused on making and publishing an Iranian Jewish cookbook. So now that you have all this information about different regions, regional cooking, I'd say, could you say that there's like one ingredient that really is the thread between all of them? Like what sums it up? I mean, rice. In a way. <laughs> it, it, is. it really is. I, what sums it up? That's such a good question because there is such a variety. But these, these rice dishes cut across for sure. Like all of the themes of Persian, I mean, the, the thing about Iranian Jewish food is at the end of the day, this is Iranian food. So like all of the same themes follow of like lots of herbs, sweet and sour, using fruit uh, in savory dishes. Um, what else? Saffron obviously is like the best. Uh, yeah, so, so there are special dishes, there are variations, um, but at the, ultimately it is Persian food. So that's why it's so good. What I love about Persian food and just like the tactileness of being in the kitchen, you're getting that scraping sound yes. from the bottom of the pan, right? Is that is that like an, a sensory Perfection. note for you? Like, you know, as a kid hearing hearing these sounds from the, from the kitchen? For sure. I mean, I, my, I was very lucky and all of this I kind of owe to the fact that my mom was, um, she cooked for us pretty much every night. And I was underfoot. So there are the sounds. There's also like, I have distinct memories of like sitting on the ground in the kitchen with like a big tray, big round tray. And whether it's like taking uh, bakali, fava beans, which are in this dish and shucking them out of the, um, whatever, the pods. Or um, do you guys know limo amani, like uh, dried lemons? They're like black yes, lemons. Yes. Um, or black limes, I should say. Those like, uh, you know, you have to pick out the lemon seeds because they're, oh, well, let me go back a step. So my mom would make gadalimu here, let me show you. So, you know, it's, it's like a seasoning, right? Like you often have it in the table in a shaky thing, but you go from this, which is like a dried lime, to this, which you sprinkle on your food. So you pulverize the yeah, dry lime? Yeah, probably like in a mortar. In, yeah, I think she probably did it in like a coffee grinder. Mm -hmm. um, but if you include the seeds, it gets really bitter. Mm -hmm. So I had small, I was a little kid, I had little pudgy fingers. So like I would sit with like a plate full of, or a tray full of these limes and take out the seeds. Um, there's the, the membranes inside get really kind of papery and flaky. So it was, it was a little, and it's a little oily. It was messy, but it was fun. So yeah, that is really my memory of like just doing all these helping out or like picking um, tabzik herbs off of their harder stems. That was definitely a task that often went to me, but like now I know how to do it. So I don't, I, I love that. Yeah, we were curious to know like what also accompanies the rice dishes mainly. Yeah, like, so I good... mean, this one particularly... Um, it has some sweet from the, from the beets. It has obviously like savory, it has fatty either from the meat or from the butter in this case, um, and salty. But the one thing that it doesn't have is acid and Persians love sour flavors. So oftentimes you'll have it with uh, like torshi. Do you guys call mm, it torshi? Torshi, yes. Pickles? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just talking about torshi. <laughs> I, I don't 
love like we have like toshi makhlut, which is just like all these vegetables pickled together into like kind of a almost like a jardinera, but it's even like mushier and muddier. It's not my favorite, so I didn't buy any. But um, I'll make us like a sour, like a limey dressed like tomato cucumber salad, and I might add some avocado, which is totally untraditional. That's the California. That's, that's the California. California. <laughs> exactly. That's the LA in you. Um, and then uh, we also have on the table some yogurt. Again, for that acid, which is, you know, for us was always a rare treat because if you had a meat dish, there's not going to be yogurt on the table. But like sometimes my mom would make like a different green rice, like either with herbs or with dill and fava beans um, with fish. And then like there might be yogurt or there's like um, polo kishmish, which is um, lentils and raisins. And usually she'll like uh, kind of season it with the juices from chicken and we would eat it with chicken, but sometimes you make it vegetarian and then we would have it with yogurt and it's so good. So that's like a fun treat for me. Well, just to touch on when you have a second, yes. that you mentioned, you know, Yom Kippur. And I think for most people, it's really hard to imagine, you know, families in Iran, Jewish families and, and how they conducted high holidays yeah. and what that was like and how you know, that transmitted to the diaspora and so on. Um, so I wonder if you can give us a, a kind of visual of like what would be on the table, yeah, you know, and sure. like Passover or something like that. I mean, there is so much to say here. Um, it's a spring holiday, so it, it, it corresponds with Nowruz. So there's like, mm. there, there's that comparison to be made. But for us, I'm trying to think of what's significant. One thing is that because we are not Ashkenazi, we don't bother with kipniot, so we eat rice. I mean, we couldn't not eat rice. Um, <laughs> so the, there are some things like they, they won't make certain legumes because they do puff up. Um, but there's always rice dishes on the table. The dinner is just like a regular dinner. And um, what else can I tell you about that? But then like, and we also do a Seder, but like some of the things are slightly different. Instead of rose water, uh, rose water. Instead of salt water, we use um, vinegar. The bitter herb is like a bitter lettuce. There's no like horseradish. Mm, we have lettuce too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, I think we have like the best, Set. It's so what is it? Good. What is it? It's like now I'm gonna have to every, do it. I'm sure it's the best. Every fruit, every nut, um, apples, pears, raisins, dried fruit, wine, vinegar, sugar. Actually, I don't know if they had sugar because there's so much fruit. But like lots of nuts. There's uh, lots of spices as well, and you can actually buy advier um, halak. They call it like we call it halak, which I think is an Arab word for like a date paste. But there's much more to it than just dates. Um, and, uh, you know, in our family, especially when we, when I was younger, when we first came to the United States, my, my dad didn't come until, I came when I was a baby, 79. My dad came like two years later. And before he came, we lived with my grandma and she like was old school. So she would grind her own meat. She had a meat grinder in the house and they would use the meat grinder to grind the haroset. And still, my parents have one. Now they don't grind meat, but they have it in the garage. And they, they bring it out every year um, for like Passover, for the halak. It's so good. I like have it for breakfast with matzah throughout Passover. And then uh, the other like fun, crazy thing, which I don't know if you guys do this too, but the scallions, do you guys do that? What, with the scallions? Oh, so <laughs> when we sing so. Dayanu, everyone like receives a scallion. And you run around the table whipping each other with scallions. And it's like a total, it's a lot of fun. That's the best part. Um, 
it's a total free-for-all as far as like adults, kids, grandkids, aunts, it's weird uncles-in-law, whatever. Like everyone is fair game and it gets wild and it's so, so, so fun. So, I, yeah. I love that about the Persian culture. I mean, I know Iraqi in our Iraqi culture, it's very celebratory, but Persians, I think, really take it to another level. <laughs> like you, you guys really like celebrate and party. Yeah, and we do. It's like I mean, it's it a is, beautiful thing. It's, it's true. It's my but like you do this whole seder, you eat all this food, and then you have dinner on top of it. So yeah, it is a long night. Long night. Yeah, yeah that's that nice. So I wanted to ask you because we came. Or at least I came across you through social media, and you're mm -hmm. you know you're pretty active on it. You've mm -hmm. got you've got like a really strong base there. What 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 are the other things that like have the fun things that have come to you or that you've learned like through your work on social? Media? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, I think it was really interesting during the pandemic because that was the moment that like everyone was stuck in their houses and had to cook a lot of meals because you couldn't go to restaurants. And it was actually a fun time for me too because. I mean, not a fun time, it was terrible, but also like um, there was like a kind of challenge of can you, uh, you know, what can you make with the food in your house because you don't want to go to the grocery store that often and I was like growing all these vegetables. So there, I, I was doing a ton at that time of like, okay, I don't know why I'm making dinner at 9.30 at night, but time doesn't make sense anymore. And here are some things from the garden and some things I wrestled up from the freezer and we're gonna make dinner and see how it goes. Um, but, uh, you know, there was an appetite for uh, web-based, like, cooking demos. So, like, I was um, approached by the women from this organization in Montreal called the Traveling Chew, that they, like, really get it as far as uh, showcasing global Jewish cuisine. And so we did a, like, all, like, all by myself, like, uh, I had, I have a, a much chintzier tripod set up. I had my phone in a jar, in a bowl with a towel as like my B-cam over the stove. Seriously. Um, and we made gondino hochi, which is the like Friday night, traditional Friday night meal. with like all these people, all these people around the world who tuned in and cooked with me. And that was amazing. Yeah, it was like, I think 60 people um, signed up. And so, yeah, that was super fun. And there were a few of those. Thank you so much, Tanaz. That was really great. So great to talk to you. And yeah, my pleasure. Always yeah. a pleasure. To see all of these amazing dishes, you can follow her on Instagram at Tanaz Sasuni. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on Kitchen Radio.